1977, a professor in my university gave me a ride. This was 1977. And when I was in the University of Lagos, I was going to the main campus where my lectures were taking place from the College of Education, if you are familiar with the University of Lagos. So I waved him down and he opened the door. I entered in. He was the only one driving. As soon as he began to move, I began to share the gospel with him. I gave him a track. I always carry a track. He collected it grudgingly. And then, after I spoke for about two minutes, he said, Wait, are you a student? I said, Yes, sir. Which department? I said, Land and Engineering Survey. Ah, I said, That's fine. I said, Is it? I didn't know. He was a professor. He said, What is the shape of the earth? S2. S2, what's the shape of the earth? I said, The shape of the earth is elliptical. That week, that was what we were taught in my survey class. And I gave him the formula. The order, order, right? The US2. When you talk about heaven, your heaven, you point up. And you told me you, the earth is round. I said, Sure, sir. He said, On the other side of the globe, they are all pointing upward, is on the opposite direction to your own pointing. Ah. Now, I knew I was in trouble. He said, tell me, if your heaven is like this, what is the geographical direction of hell? He said, remember, if you point like this, that is the heavenward point or some other one. I was praying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. So I said, excuse me, sir. God forbid it will not happen to you. If you die without Christ the next minute you will not know just the geographical direction of hell you will know the exact location of hell because hell is at the end of a life without Christ the man parked the car he said get out of my car you <laughs> I got to know later is a child of a prominent Baptist pastor. He went to America and studied in the University of Alabama and he suffered. He went to church with great enthusiasm. When he got to church, they didn't allow him to mix with the whites. They segregated him to the back and he got out of church and vowed never to do anything with church. He said, the church that my father served all his life. Now, they wouldn't let me mix. He said, I renounced Christianity. And he became an atheist. I didn't know. I was preaching to him. That at the end of a life without Christ is the exact location of hell. Later on, a few years ago, two years ago, he died. But he didn't die as an unbeliever. I was preaching for, as a year, the boy at the redemption camp. 
he saw me on the giant screen and he found a way to locate me. He said, Bishop, can you recognize me? I said, I know you very well, a professor of the professor of sociology. He was. He now recounted the experience of 1977. He said, What I said troubled him every single day that hell is at the end of a life without Christ until he gave his life to Christ. He said, I'm now an assistant pastor in Redeemed Christian Church of God. So I hugged him. I hugged him. I hugged him. The Lord delivered his soul so he would not be a loss. The greatest loss is the loss of any soul. Hallelujah. I thought you would celebrate God more than that. The greatest loss is the loss of any one soul. I saw something this morning that said that anyone who goes to hell is because um, we were not at our watch as Christians. So I know that sometimes, um, I, I know that there's been evangelism going on throughout the whole month. And I know that sometimes why people don't even go out to preach the gospel is because you're wondering, what will I say? How will people receive it? Who do I go to? How do I even start? Listen, there's power in the spoken word of God. Your only job is to present the gospel. The reason why people don't preach is because we think we have to help people accept the gospel. So you feel that you have failed if you go and minister to someone or present the gospel to someone and the person does not accept Christ. You think you have failed. The reason why I really love this video is that Bishop Wale okay, preached to the man and the man told him to get out of his car. So if we were judging based on that, did he succeed or did he fail? I can't hear you. Did he succeed or did he fail? He failed. From human perspective, he failed. But God was proving that all you need to do is to sow a seed. Paul will plant. Apollos will water. God will give increase. So we are working together, partnering with God. Your job is to just present the gospel. You don't have to know so much. In fact, it's even your eloquence that is your problem. You will see somebody go to the market and see one market woman and say, Good afternoon, my name is Ogo. Um, I attend Davis Christian Center. I'm here to minister to you and to spread the gospel with you. And because I see that the way your soul is, it looks like you might not make heaven. And you're already living in hell. And woman is wondering where this grace they come from soul, spirit or body just present the gospel you are in need of a savior there's a savior who has given you free salvation will you accept it simple don't do anything more than that unless the Lord asks you to so it's a simple assignment it's not much more than that the reason why we feel, hey, how will I preach the gospel? is because we think that we must make people receive. In fact, we think that people must say the prayer with us then. Some people will pray the prayer just to get rid of you, but they've not been converted in their heart. So don't look, don't calculate for God. Don't try to think it through. The Bible says that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. Presenting the gospel is the power. You are not doing anything. It is not your ability to convince that will get somebody saved. 
I got born again as a teenager. I've shared, I've shared my salvation story many times. And my salvation story is a long story, but the brief of it was this. I was ill. And one of my friends went just to... So my salvation story, before this will make me lose the salvation that I want to share with you. So my salvation story, I was ill. I was very sickly as a child, so I was always ill. Either typhoid, asthma, attack. It was one thing or the other, malaria. There was always one thing. I was always sick. So I was lying down, ill as usual. One of my classmates, she wasn't just too like me, just walked up to me and said, um, do you know you, can, you know you can stop being sick? I think those were exact words. Do you know you can stop being sick? And I said, eh, how? And she said, simple. I just need to pray a simple prayer with you. And I didn't think much of it. I didn't, I mean, for me, it wasn't rocket science. It wasn't anything. So that's it. I needed saving. She presented a savior. Simple. She didn't try to bring the Greek or the Hebrew and to explain to me that the word salvation means so-so. It is the Greek for salvation, meaning you need She didn't try to be over-intellectual. She must have been 12 or something. So 12 or 13. She didn't know so much as well. And so she said to me, do you know that you can, be, you can stop being sick? And I said, how? And she said, I'll just pray with you. She said, but before I pray with you, I want you to pray a simple prayer with me. You must first give your heart to Jesus. I said, what does that mean? She said, you will just give your heart to Jesus and you will live for him. It's not hard. I was not Muslim before. I was not living for somebody else before. I know they smoke. I know they drink. I was a small girl. Nothing. It just meant I will know God more. Simple. Oh yeah, let's pray. And she said, say, Lord Jesus. I said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. She just said the prayer with me. And then immediately we said the prayer. She just said, now you are born again. Honestly, sincerely, I felt lighter in my soul, but I didn't understand the concept of what had just happened. Then she put her hand on me and said, be healed in the name of Jesus. And I stood up instantly healed. Instantly. Now, I did not understand it, but I knew that whatever this girl did for me is working. So the, immediately I stood up from there. I did not even know where John 3.16 is. I carried myself. I went to Octopus House Dormitory, to go and look for my friend, Mabel Briggs. And I called her, I said, Mabel, say Lord Jesus. She said, Lord Jesus. I said, come into my heart. She said, come into my heart. Today she's still saved. When something is good, when something is true, you can't keep it to yourself. That's what I preached last, last week on the mainland to them. You cannot keep it to yourself. It's too good. Now the problem is a lot of people do not understand that you don't have to come perfect. However, you must work on your perfection. Amen? That's where the, 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 that's where the disparity usually is. People want to come as they are and stay as they are. You must come as you are, but there must be a change. When you encounter Christ, you cannot be the same. And the change is in the heart. It is not in doing things. You must first become before you can do. So when Nicodemus went to Jesus and said to him, why? I mean, you must be a man sent for God because nobody can do the things that you do except God is with him. And Jesus said, that's the problem with you human beings. You are always looking on the outside. He said, it's not about the things I do. For you to do, you must first be. So except a man be born again, he cannot do. He cannot see, talk less of do. So the change is from within. That's what Jesus does for you. He transforms your nature. 
So it's not your actions. When your nature has been transformed, that's why I'm always shocked when people get born again and they don't even understand what happened for them. From that minute, there was a hunger to know God more inside me. And there was a desire to want to make him proud of me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to live my life as a regular person anymore. That's where it starts. So I don't understand. Honestly, I don't understand it. Maybe one day I will, but I don't understand it right now. How people can encounter Christ and remain the same and then keep it to themselves. The real reason why you're keeping it to yourself is because nothing has changed. If something has changed, you cannot be quiet. So they won't beg you to come out for evangelism. No! You will go by yourself. Whether the church says, let's go for evangelism or not, you will go by yourself. Because there's something you have found that you just cannot keep quiet about. And we're not saying even do anything great. Because some people are saying, here, where will I find people? Okay, let me give you a list. Number one, your family members. It must start from your home first. Jesus said, power will come on you, and then you will be my witnesses. First, from where? From Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem is your home. Then you will now go to Judea your neighbors, then you will go to the uttermost part of the earth, your colleagues, your clients, your business partners, even some people that come to church, but you know that their church is not yet coming to them. But you will start from your Jerusalem. So you, you write a list of all your family members that are not saved. And you will be intentional. You will pray for them. You will minister. You will do whatever it takes to get them saved. Because listen, like Bishop Walioke said, it is when you die and open your eye that you will know the location of hell. People are still negotiating and, 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 and fighting over, oh, hellfire is real, it's not real. I think it's too dangerous and too risky for you to wait to find out. I think so. I think it's too risky. Because if you have ever read the Bible and you have found the description of what hell is, even if not play, you don't want to risk it. You don't want to risk it. So you don't know where to go. I've helped you. Your brothers, your sisters, your cousins. That your cousin that you don't talk to in your family. That your auntie that used to beat you when you were a small child. Even if you don't love her enough to minister or you're not forgiving her enough to preach the gospel. Pray for her that somebody else will preach. But that heaven no, now must complete for heaven. This morning, I mean, I got to the mainland this morning and they just told me that, oh, someone, one young, really young chap in children's church the worst part is their best hand. Always the first to come. Always he was on his way to work. And I'm Robert. And the boy is in heaven now. Just gone. So you know sometimes we just take it for granted that we have time. Who said? If it's not death that comes, Jesus comes. So with that urgency, you should be preaching to your family members. I know you love them. Which is the more reason why you should preach. So are you telling me now that because my father, that my father that is a nice man, if you know the people my father has helped in this life, are you telling me now that that my father will not go to heaven because he, because he has not accepted Jesus? Yes. I know you don't want to eat yet, but yes. And my mother, ah, no, my mother cannot go to hell, sir. She will be there first flight. If you do not preach the gospel to your family members, if you do not pray for them, don't deceive yourself into thinking because somebody is morally right. Remember the first week I preached, I said it, that the, the cure for, for, the payment for sin is not good behavior. 
The payment for sin is death. So don't think that, oh, because my parents are well behaved. Your moral does not mean that you will make it to heaven. It is what Jesus paid that is the only acceptable payment. So we must preach the gospel. We must go out there and preach the gospel. Okay? We must go out there and preach the gospel. So how, how can we preach the gospel? Because I know a lot of people are saying, okay, who are my targets? Who am I? I've explained your targets, but how do you preach to them? You can preach using your words, but I think the more important one is to preach using your life. Because if you are going to really minister to your family members and your friends, the people who know you, it's not this English and quoting Bible. You can try that with a stranger. You can even lay hands on the sick and they'll be you and they believe. But your character, your behavior, is your loudest message. You know, the Bible we're reading today is not, you know, sometimes people think that the Bible we're reading is that the Bible was written and people were acting it out. No, 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 no. The Bible we're reading today, just people living their lives was documented. Your own life is the episode that this generation is reading as well. So louder than your voice when you are preaching is your life. So how do you preach? Because I don't have time this morning. How do you preach? Number one, by living a life of purity. You must live a life that is worthy of Christ. Live a life of purity. Too many times, too many times, People use the excuse of righteousness, consciousness. Jesus has paid it all. To assume that that means they can live anyhow. That is an absolute untruth. And I think that we don't hear it enough. If you are, let me tell you, eh, unbelievers know what a believer should be like. That's why they say the church is full of hypocrites. Because you are doing exactly what they are doing. Living exactly how they are living. And you think that you can preach to them. Absolutely not. You say, give your life to Christ. The person say, Which, why, why? What's the difference? When we go to the office, if I, force, if I, if, if I came at 10.15, I will not write that I came at 10 a.m. Because I know that resumption is 10. I will not write 10 a.m. Meanwhile, as you are writing that 10 a.m., the unbeliever is standing behind you. As you wrote that 10 a.m., the unbeliever will laugh. go say, 9.58, consign, I came, can't draw arrow, I came before her. Well, Lina, then tomorrow you now come and say you want to invite them to church. To do what exactly? To do what? Sunday morning, your colleague in the office just stands up and then you are just coming out from your boyfriend's house. Oh, darling, will you drop me in church? And colleague say, nobody's this girl where they preach for. Ah. Born again, they sleep for my house. Now, so this thing be. Let me all of us born again now. The loudest message I'm telling you is your life. It is not being on Instagram and writing Jesus baby, hashtag. It is not. That's not what it is. The loudest message is your life. And when you really know that you are preaching loud enough, is that your family members and your friends, those who are close to you, can actually say that this person is a true Christian. This person, because of how you were living your life, you made me want to serve Christ. Because of how you were behaving, I knew that I, I needed more than what I have right now. I wanted what you have. So the first and loudest message, first and loudest message, is living a life that is worthy of Christ. Let's read a few scriptures. Philippians 1.27. You're going to help me, help me with time. I have like four minutes or something. So it says, 
only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your conduct, your behavior, your lifestyle, let it be worthy. Let it be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So let your life and your words, let them match. Let them match. That's what he's saying here pretty much. Give me Colossians 1.10. Listen, you find it everywhere. I'm just going to rush through there. You're going to find it. If you just go throughout the Bible, it just keeps talking about living a life that is worthy of Christ. Living a life that is worthy of the name. Being an ambassador of Christ. It says that you make work worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Not partially. Fully. Being fruitful in every good work. Not some. And increasing... Somewhere in my head I have daily. Because I was about to say daily increasing in the knowledge of God. Because how can you be like someone? How can you please someone if you don't know him and you don't know his desires? Listen, this secret life, let's stop it, guys. You're a Christian on Sunday, then Monday through Saturday, you are even worse than Satan. We need to stop it. You come to church, you are lead usher, you are lead this, but at home, you are a demon to your husband and to your wife. You are, you, are, you, are, you are making everybody's life miserable. But when you come outside, bless you, bless you, bless you. Let's stop it, guys. Because people are watching. People are watching. And the Lord is just showing you mercy. He's giving you a chance to repent. But you can't keep going around doing the same things, expecting that you'll get the same results. He's just saying people know they know, not only God they know, exactly. And that's the more reason why we should stop the things that we do. There are a lot of scriptures, First Thessalonians 2.12, but because of time, let me just leave them. There are a lot of scriptures. So the first thing is by living a life of purity. Listen, you can, you can, a life of purity is possible. You know how I know? Because the Holy Spirit is in our hearts. As the name implies, Holy Spirit, meaning that the Spirit that was given to you is able to make you holy. He's not a helper spirit. He's the Holy Spirit who helps. He's not the teacher spirit. He's the Holy Spirit who teaches you. So he's called alongside to help you to be holy, to live a life that is worthy. So when I'm talking holy, I'm not just talking purity. Holy also talks about being whole, wholeness. So you are one and the same. You are the same inside, the same outside. You are the same with what you say and what you do. That's what, that's what makes God holy. It's not that he doesn't sin. It's that he's all one. When God says something, his mouth does not change. What can I do? When he says it, you can take it to the bank. That's it. And it's not only in promises. If he says he's a holy God, he's a holy God. If he says he's righteous, he's righteous. If he says he's merciful, God will show you mercy. It's as simple as that. And that's how he expects us to live, to be worthy of that name that he has placed on us. Okay? So you need to be careful. We need to be very careful. Um, Revelation 3, 15 to 16 talks about us being hot or cold. He said, I would rather you choose one. He said, because when you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. I I totally understand that because I'm one of those people that can't drink I can't drink lukewarm water. It makes me nauseous. I can't. If you give me look, I'd rather be thirsty. So me, I'm wondering if me as a human being, I can't drink lukewarm water. How about God? He says, I will spit you out of my mouth. He said, I would rather you were hot or you were cold. If water is not cold, it's not hot. I don't understand it. I don't understand. I'm not... I'm, they are testy. They're not giving me ordinary water. I spit it. At, it has happened to me many times. Joy is to live with me. She give me ordinary water. I will spit it as she knows. I can't. Either I'm drinking cold water. Let me know it's cold water. Or you give me hot water. Let me put me low inside. Let me know it's tea. 
Which one is ordinary water? I don't understand the concept of it. So I also don't understand the concept of human beings. You are either, either be hot or cold. If you want to be an unbeliever, be a very solid one. The one that there's no, Satan is not wondering, am I own, I'm not be my own, am I own, I'm not be my own. If you want to be a sinner, sin well. Fornicate with your full chest. Do you understand? Be naked, do whatever you want to do. But if you're a Christian, be a Christian and do God's word. Not that you come and put Jesus, baby, do everything, then your, your pre-wedding photo shoot. See, eh? there's a way you will sit down on a man, eh? When you have not married him. We know you have been doing it before. There's, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not, there's a skill that is developed over time. You are not born with it. I'm telling you. So, they propose to you on social media, the way you kiss that kiss there. We cannot tell whether you are a believer or unbeliever. We can't tell. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm just telling you to choose your side. Do you understand? Choose your side. It's better for them to be calling. Do you hear what they're calling Bishop Wale? Okay, SU. Before we ask, they say, hey, SU. What's the shape of the S? The SU. We don't know which one you are. We can't say whether you're born again or not. We can't say. We go to your social media page. We don't know. And these days, unfortunately, that's what qualifies people. People can tell you anything. Just collect that their ass, that their handle. Just go there. You will know whether the person is a Christian or not. So choose your side. You can't be claimed to be born again and now be comfortable in sin. I understand that people make mistakes and we fall. There's nobody that is without sin. I can understand that people make mistakes. But for you to not be comfortable, do you understand? To be comfortable in, when you are coming like this, we don't know whether you are, is you, I, you know when you are, when, when you are, I don't want to enter it now because if I enter then I will enter quarrel. When I see some of the dresses that my fellow sister in the Lord, you know that's the problem. We don't call ourselves sister in the Lord anymore. Yes, now. When I got born again, even there's a way they'll call you sister. It will adjust your yes. You will know that that sister is both a, a term of endearment and a warning and a sister. God bless you, sister. You, you, you will look at your body. That did I? This one they call me sister. You will draw your cloth around you well. You will look all over yourself. But now, when I see some of our sisters in the Lord, my chest, when, they, they call, when your slit has a slit, I see some of those outfits. They will not cover the thing like this. Ah, I know I'm old school, though, but I'd rather be old school and make it to heaven. And I know that people say it's not based on our works, but is it really worthy of Christ? It's called private parts for a reason. <laughs> May I will say it, though. I will say it. And listen, if you're still struggling with anything, your prayer life can sort that out. Spend time in prayer and in God's word. We are just. I'm telling you. There's nothing, there's no, how do they say that thing? What God cannot do does not exist, Daddy. That sin that God cannot save does not exist. It cannot, I'm telling you. In the place of prayer, there's nothing God cannot change. Is it anger? God can address it. Jealousy, God can address it. Bad behavior, God can address it. Evil heart, God can address it. Because that's what evil wants. He says he will turn that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. 
That's the promise he made, that he can put his spirit in. Ah, if you get this thing eh, ah, your life will never be the same. So the first thing where you preach is purity. The second one is excellence. Anything you do, be the best. In your office, be the best. It's not by prayer. It's not by the morning devotion in the office. You are the one that's quoting all the scriptures. Father Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father Lord God, you are the King of kings. Lord of lords, Alpha Omega, beginning and the end. Before the beginning, you were the beginning who began the beginning. And the beginning after the beginning cannot begin without the beginning. <laughs> Meanwhile, targets you will not meet. When they come for meeting, you are sleeping. Nothing. You are not doing anything. You must deliver excellence. That's the reason why we are here. He said, occupy till I come. In other words, all the things I was doing, he said, greater works will you do. So help me stand here and be doing the greater works until I return. But for you to be doing things and you are not thinking of the name that you carry, you need to constantly remind yourself that you're an ambassador of Christ. And an ambassador knows that when they come out, that means that they are representing the entire nation. So you are, enti- you, are the- you are representing the kingdom of God. And in your office, you are the only one not meeting targets. They bring a problem. You are the only one. You do- Every other person will even solve their own because the children of this world are wiser in their own dealings. They know how they can get around things. But you have the advantage. You have the Holy Spirit who can teach you all things. No, you will not use it all. You will come late to the office. Then it is that time you will now open Bible. We give you... That's when you want to start praying your prayer that you do not pray at 5.30 in your house. It's in the office you want to pray the prayer. When you're supposed to be working, you must set a standard. You preach with your excellence. People will ask you. Nobody will ask you. See, if you're in school, you'll be the best. If you're in the office, be the best. If you're in business, your customer service should be impeccable. People should not have to abuse you. Which kind of... Which kind of vendor is this? Everybody will come early to the wedding. You, you're always begging. Hey, I'm sorry. See, sister, you know you're my sister. Ah, you know you're my member. You know, see, people should not employ you just because you attend the same church. It should be because you are good at what you do. Look at Daniel's life. After Daniel came out from the lion's den, the king said, in short, all of us from today, if I hear that there's nobody worshipping Daniel, go and read it now. Read your Bible, it's there. Daniel stood out. He was ten times better than everybody else. That's what made them notice that there's something about this guy. That's what makes the Jews stand out till tomorrow. There's something about them. They know the name that they carry. So number one, purity. Number two, excellence. Number three, way to preach. Kindness and generosity. Don't be a user. You be a giver. Any opportunity to serve people, take it. Be good to people. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to show mercy. Be like God. You are the most wicked. You, they can't, somebody cannot offend you and go scot-free. Never. Somebody can. Even paper. You give somebody your paper in the office. They don't say, oh, I misplaced you. Let me print you another one. No. I want that exact one that I gave you. I know how I gave it to you. I don't want it squeezed. You now say, okay, let me look for you. You now look for you and say, I, do, I will never give you anything in my life again. See how the paper squeezed. And see, it's paper. It's not life. It's paper. And there's printer for a reason. If that one lost, we can print you another one. In fact, we can print you ten. Why are you doing as if your blood is connected to the people? People are just wicked. Be kind. You 
don't want to share something. You don't want people in your space. I don't like people touching my teeth. I don't like people. What is the problem? What really is the problem? You don't like them to touch us. Well, you want them to give their life to Christ. Why? Exactly. You that you gave your life to Christ. What happened? Why do I want to be like you? Kindness. Be there to help people. Don't be users. Jesus was always, always. You know, I, I just imagine, I don't remember watching New Amsterdam. I'm a serious person. So there's this guy, Dr. Goodwin. First day, and that's all he does. Anytime he comes in, he says, how can I help? Oh, I have my New Amsterdam people here. That's it. That's it. This is in three out. Okay. So <laughs> his question is always, how can I help? And you know, that thing, eh, it stuck with me. I just feel like, how can a human being always want to help? And then it just occurred to me that that's just how Jesus was. Jesus was always about how he could help, how he could make other people's lives better. The guy that was leprous came to him and said, if you, can, you know that if you want to, you can make me well. Jesus said, are you kidding me? Of course I want to. Be well. Jesus could have just spoken to him because touching him would have made Jesus unclean. Jesus touched him. I'm sure the guy drew back like, I don't know, I can always act things in my head. But I just feel like maybe the guy drew back. And Jesus said, no, come, I want to make you well. Jesus was always willing to help. When that guy, and his, when his friends landed that guy from the roof, I'm wondering, the person I had the house would be angry and just say, calm down now. This guy's working is more important. Jesus was always willing to help. So how can you say you represent someone who always wants to help, but you don't want to? Always be willing to make other people's lives better. Recommend people. Recommend them. Don't be so. Don't be stingy. If you if you put somebody on social media on your page that is doing the same thing as you, do you know that your business will not go down? You know why? Because God will not take from their blessing to bless you. He won't. If me and Ogwa are doing the same business, I can advertise that we'll be okay. I'll be happy. I'm very happy to do that, and I'm happy to celebrate our win. That's kindness. Those are the things that are attractive. No time. Last one. No time, because Pastor Maka is in front, and I don't want to lose my job yet. Uh, I'd rather resign, just so you know. <laughs> so, the first one is what? Uh, you are laughing. Uh, you have to go away from here with something. Number one, how do you preach the gospel is what? Purity. The second one is what? Is what? The third one is what? Kindness and generosity. Okay? The last one. Live to display God's glory. Okay? So use, be intentional about using all your gifts. Be intentional about using everything that you have for the glory of God. Everything that God has given to you is for Him. And until you realize that, you will just be struggling for nothing. And you see, you will look at, if you look at where Jesus' life, at the beginning where Satan came to tempt Him, everything Satan offered Jesus, Jesus still had an opportunity to use it eventually. He came, he said, if you are, if you are, really, you are hungry now, you are the son of God. So, if you really believe you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. And Jesus could have done it for his own personal gain. But he thought about it and said, no, I still need to think about for the greater good, for the glory of God. When it was now needed for him to feed 5,000 people, he did the same miracle. So, he still had an opportunity to use it for God's glory, and that was even better. The second temptation... I'll be the last temptation was, I will make you famous. If you see all these things, I'll be given to me. And he did not need that. He still got popularity when he died for us. That popularity that Satan wanted to give him, just worship me. So, if you can understand that everything that has been given to you, if you can use it for God's glory, it will minister to other people. 
this fine that you are fine, what part did you play in it? Because some people can just feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a fine girl. What part did you play in the fine? You are not the God that made you. You are not your mother, your father. You know, part, no part. Even your grandparents I even have smoke because your nose is like your grandmother's own. Your eye, that your left ear is your grandfather's own. There's a part they played. But you, what part did you play in it? The only part you can play eh, is to use that your beauty to glorify God. Because human beings, they cannot use eye to see fine gear. Oh, I'm telling you. You know, one of the things I've learned about human beings is that they are so... How does the Bible say it? It says, God is not like man. Man looks on the outward. God looks on the heart, Abby. It's only God that looks inside you. People first decide whether they will like you or not from looking at you on the outside. So it's not that we cannot go, when we are doing Instagram Live or something, that we cannot just go like that. But because human beings, they will just say, ah, we, we this one, we just wear scarf like this, and just flip. We will paint. So that they go stop. They say, ah, this one is looking fine. They will stop, then they will hear what we are saying. Abby, that's it now. I know how many people came to church because of fine boy and fine girl. They followed to come and toast and then they came and gave their life to Christ. Have you not been watching people's salvation story? E.G. Chisom and Gideon. I'm just saying. But I know how many of them followed boy to church or girl to church and got saved. So, that's your fineness. What are you using it for? Your intelligence. You're just using it. You're using it in your office. Meanwhile, there's a similar problem that can be solved in the house of God for God's glory. Your money, you're using it to what? You bought house, you bought car. What now happened after that? What again? You are investing. Okay, so when you break the investment, is to do what again? To invest more. Then after that, what will now happen again? Then you will not die, then your children will use it to drink alcohol because you do not, give, you not, you not preach to them to get saved. Everything that you have, everything, if you have that mindset, you will treat your marriage better. I don't, I don't do all I do in my marriage just because I love Pastor K. I do it because I'm first in love with God. He's the first person I made the vow to. Because if the man, they did not do, they didn't among at all. Uh, now, other people don't go tell the truth. Me and they tell the truth. Men did not do. If it's man or woman you're looking at, that is, <laughs> when I just get married, I'm going to be so happy. Oh my God. I can't wait. The fella Niger will put me up. Oh, those people that used to put people up, will put me up. All those things. Then those people will put you up. Then you now enter the house. Then you now realize that. Ah. Uh-uh. Is that it? <laughs> and then you think that because you marry uh, MK, will be singing to you every morning. Abis Babs. Let me not use MK. Go ahead, go fight. You now, Babs, you now think he'll be worshipping every morning when he wake up. He wants you that cannot sing to worship over him. Or oh, are you putting every day, Pascal, just open Bible and say, Honey, Genesis. <laughs> Now, the way when they collect in a message, they collect my own on Sunday. That's why I come to church. Uh, the same way I collect my own. That's why I collect my own too. So, don't think. Everything you do must first do for Jesus. Everything must be for God's glory. My marriage for me is a ministry. So, I'm here. I'm here because of him. So that people can see that it's possible. That no matter what you go through, you will stay there and make it work because God gives you the grace to do so. Not all the, I'm done, I'm done. If now I'm done, all of us, nobody's supposed to be here now. Everybody go done, done. Yes, now. They never wash beans, my way they smell. You can't be done. That's what makes, that's the gospel we're preaching. 
that even though you're married to a man, because we know God, God gives us the ability. When I mean man, I'm talking male and female. For example, we say, talk to pastor, okay, no good. What people? Man or woman, if you're talking, might or mankind, basically. Uh-huh. Kind of man. Whether I say mankind or a woman kind. Whatever you're married to, listen to me. You will need the grace of God to make it work. I don't know how people who are not born again make marriage work. I don't know. Because God gives you the grace to be patient, to be kind, to, to walk in love, basically. Long, I didn't say that. To be tender. These two people, who wants to put me in trouble? I will not be drawn into it. So everything you have, marriage, business, work, the way you relate with people, do it for the glory of God. And finally, share your salvation story. People may be able to argue with the Bible, but they can't argue with your own personal story. They can't argue with it. Let me tell you, see, I'll close with this. And I'm flexing like this because there's, tra- there's traffic on the road. When Jesus, when Jesus went to the woman at the well, if you read that story very cl- clearly and very closely, look at it closely, you can learn so many steps to ministering the gospel, to preaching. What Jesus did there was to show us how to preach the gospel. So number one, Jesus was very intentional. He didn't just pass by and just say, anybody I meet today, maybe I'll preach. Jesus, the Bible says that he needed to go through Samaria. So he had planned, there was a plan. It's not a by chance something. Wake up every morning intentionally. That that my neighbor, I don't target him today. Today, I must catch him and he must preach. We must preach the gospel to him. So must be intentional. So Jesus was intentional. Jesus was relatable. He didn't just, he didn't talk over our head that, you knowest thou that I am a great prophetess who knowest that the mountain where we worship is where... He didn't say all those things. He started with give me water. Something she could understand at her level because she came to fetch water. So be relatable, be relational. Find something. Strike up a conversation. It doesn't have to be... Do you know that you are a sinner that has five husbands and the one you are living with now because I'm a prophet, I sin to your soul. You are going to hell. No. It was the way gist, you know. It's inside gist that Jesus just said that one. And she said, was ready for Jesus. She too, she had her own. She said, eh, you won't talk about me. I'm not talking about me again. Okay, where do, should we really worship? Because people say we should worship here. But we will believe we should worship here. Jesus said, it's not about worship. You won't come out from the gist where they talk. It's not about worship. See, it was relatable. They had a conversation. And he answered, yes, people will come with all those things. Eh, church is hypocrisy. I don't like to go to church. Yes. But you must find a meeting point. Jesus found her pain. What you are looking for is love. And I have more than enough to give you. And let me tell you the beautiful thing about preaching the gospel. Is that you may never fully know right here when you are on earth. But when you get to heaven, you will, full, you will see. Jesus had, a, Jesus had the privilege of knowing immediately because that woman was able to bring that entire city to him. Because she ran immediately and everybody followed her. The entire village followed her to come and receive Christ. Some of us may never know. My friend who preached the gospel to me, she's gone home to be with the Lord. She went home to be with the Lord about three years ago. She, two years now. Two years, Abby. She, no, it's three years. October 20, October, I think she died in October. My birthday was in September. I hadn't seen her in almost 20 years. I didn't see her almost 20 years. After, you know, after I got born again. She came for my 40th birthday. Two months later or so, she was dead. She died in her sleep. She wasn't sick, nothing. She's not old. She just went to bed. She had two babies, two little small children like this. 
She went to bed and didn't wake up. She may never fully understand what she was doing when she was talking to a 13, 12-year-old girl. I don't even know who that was back then. She may never really fully understand that, what she did back then and what it's bringing today. But when we get to heaven, some people will not know her name. Some will be saying, ah, oh, Pastor Mildred. Oh, look how Pastor Mildred stars. Oh, glory to God. Oh, God, there must be stars, Lord. <laughs> I've been through a lot, Lord. You have to give me stars. And then, also, and then the girl just bounce in front of me. As they're giving me stars, they're giving her. They're giving me, they're giving Because every seed that is accrued to my name will be accrued to her name. So you have no idea what you are doing or who you are ministering to. So when they say, go and preach, go out there and preach. Go out there and minister. And so this morning, I want to quickly, I know that my time is so far gone. I took 20 minutes over time. But I want to still pray for someone because I don't know who you are. Amen. I feel like God wants to use you for great things, so I want to be a part of that. So I want to pray with you this morning if you haven't given your heart to Jesus. Just a simple prayer like I prayed with my friend. Simple prayer. And I know that God has already started talking at your heart. He has already done the groundwork. All I'm doing is just doing the final lap. So this morning, if you have not given your heart to Jesus, I want to pray with you. Normally, I would say all heads bowed, all eyes closed, but it's nothing to be ashamed of, so I'm not going to do that. So if you want to give your heart to Jesus and you're in the service, or you've given your heart to Jesus and you want to rededicate your life, because that also was a turning point in my life. I don't have time to share that today. Maybe next week when I'm preaching. A major turning point in my life. God can't, I don't care how far you've gone. You feel like, oh, you've done so many things. God can't, I don't care how far you've gone. God's arms are open and ready to receive you. So if you want to say that prayer with me this morning, just raise your right hand. Right hand, that's all. Just raise your right hand. Let's do this. Is there anybody in the service? Can you be bold enough to step out? Just take an extra step. Just be bold enough. Everybody here should have done it for their own good. Just come to me. Let's pray this prayer together. Hallelujah. That's how they are celebrating in heaven. That's how they are celebrating in heaven right now. Hallelujah. Just put your hand on your chest and say this simple prayer after me. I know that for you to come out here, that God has already pulled and tugged on your heart. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And God wants to change your life. But it starts with this prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe in my heart. And I confess it with my mouth now that Jesus died for me and that he rose again and that he has made payment for my sin. So today, I declare I'm born again. I am now a child of God. I receive the Holy Spirit as my birth certificate and I receive the grace to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Praise God. I'm so excited for you. Please just follow this lady. She wants to talk to you quickly for a few minutes. I should tell you how to know God more. Come on, guys, celebrate God. Hallelujah. 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 The way you are celebrating, you guys don't know what's happening in heaven. I wish you knew how excited heaven was right now. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for everyone in this place. I ask that the words that I have spoken, that you take it and break it even to tinier pieces and that you minister to all hearts that we set us on fire to preach the gospel every opportunity we get. In the mighty name of Jesus. We know you've been blessed by this message. To order a copy of this message or any of our messages, you can call us on 80 or 
480-777-14412. Or you can visit our website on www.davidschristiancenter.org. David's Christian Center, home of victorious people.